Good evening. I have the honor of introducing my husband, Phil Lawrence. Many of you here know him already, but for those of you who don't, I wrote a few things down. Phil is the son of loving parents, William and Pilar Lawrence, who are now his guardian angels. He was born in Indiana to a family of 11 siblings. He is my husband and friend of 52 years. 12 of those years we celebrated in California, the rest in Indiana. He is a dedicated father and grandfather and is adored by all of them. For many years, Philip worked in corporate America as a successful minority business owner and co-broker. He was very active at our home church where he served many roles, including council president and director of our church mission. He was born into the Catholic church where he attended until after our children began to grow up and became more active in church. Then I converted him to a Lutheran. And he eventually joined willingly so that we all could worship together as a family. Phil, Phil was also a very active leader in our hometown community and city government where he served on several boards. At age 73, he continues to be a vibrant speaker, actor, and from time to time, an occasional preacher like tonight. Please welcome my husband, Phil. His father, talking about God, they pray, play practical jokes on people from time to time. This is one of those jokes. <laughs> the lessons that were read were not the lessons that I received. <laughs> That's why it is so, so very important that we all understand that the song that was just sung, where we welcomed the Holy Spirit, a rush of air moving through us, touching all of us. I'm going to read. <laughs> Boy, this this really throws a, a little. <laughs> so I'm, I'm. Let me. Let me wait. Let me pray. Our Father, thank you for your Son. Thank you for allowing him to be come like us, show us how to live, die, 
and rose so that we too may rise and be with you. I ask now that you send your spirit, that breath of air, that Yahweh to touch us all, calm our spirits, open our ears, and let us hear what you would need for us to be better than yesterday. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'm going to focus on two Gospels. One is Mark, and you're all very familiar with Mark. One, that is when the apostle Mark talks about John the Baptist. In fact, that's, that's the first thing he says is that everybody was, let me, let me just find it. In the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, before I send my messenger before thy face, who shall prepare thy way, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And there went out to him all the country of Judea and all the people of Jerusalem. And they were baptized in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and had a leather, leather girdle around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached saying, after me comes he who is mightier than I, the throng of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens opened and the spirit descending upon him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, Thou art my beloved son with thee. I am very well pleased. Then there's another gospel that I was going to mess with. And, well, I'll just talk about it. The focus of the sermon today is going to be on the question Paul asked in Acts. That's the other gospel that y'all didn't hear, but you're going to hear it now. He meets up with some of the apostles and he said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, 
We have never heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And Paul said, well then, into what then were you baptized? And they said, uh, we were baptized into John's baptism. Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was coming after him. And that is Jesus. Upon hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid hands upon them, the Holy Spirit came upon them. And they spoke with tongues and prophesied. But I've already started my sermon. I was going to say before I started, but I've already started. So I have a quick story regarding, regarding how John in the gospel talks about the one to come, that he is not worthy to tie his sandals. I will baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. I was in the coal business for many years and had become somewhat successful. And I would fly from my hometown of Evansville, Indiana to Indianapolis, Indiana. That's where most of my customers were. One of whom was Eli Lilly, which I'll talk about in greater detail a little later. And Indianapolis had a collection of, I don't know you've seen the airports, they have these little small planes. They call them puddle jumpers or all kind of stuff. And they had a hangar in the basement of the airport and you had to go down the steps to get to them. And a flight would leave every 30 minutes and it would go to regional places, you know, like Fort Wayne or, or South Bend or Evansville or you know, different place, Cincinnati. And on January 4th, I came down the steps and I was about to go back home when I noticed a very handsome black gentleman sitting against the wall. Back then, you didn't see a lot of us black folks at the airport. This is 1988, 89, 90, but a lot of us running around back then. And I approached him because of the kinship of our color. I noticed that I was looking at the greatest boxer of all times, Sugar Ray Leonard. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I had to throw that in, just messing with you. I was looking at Muhammad Ali. He was, had his back against the wall and I recognized it. There was at least 90 people in the room, but no one knew who he was. And so I walked up to him and I bowed and I said to him, Asalaamu Alaikum. And he looked up to me and replied, Lega Salaam. I learned a little Muslim back in the day. <laughs> from a little Muslim guy back in the day. And we talked a bit and he said he was on his way to South Bend to, to see his wife. He told me that he had Parkinson's and that he didn't speak in public a lot anymore. And he reached in his pocket and handed me this flyer. It's called Life After Death. And he signed it to me from Muhammad Ali, 1-4-1990. I had to keep that one. That's one of them keepers. That you, you can come up and see his handwriting a little later on. Not now. Don't come. <laughs> and so I wished him well, and I caught my flight. 
You see, we're going to talk about how the Spirit and our baptism work together. Our baptismal waters may or may not undo the past or change the world's circumstances, but they do change us. They return us to the first day. Remember Genesis 1, 1 through 5, the day we became a new creation, the day the Spirit of God hovered over us, the day light was called out of darkness, the first day. It was always a day of creation and new life. It was on the first day, remember, that the stone was rolled away from the tomb and the angel proclaimed, he is risen, Mark 16, 1 through 8. Into what then were you baptized? That's St. Paul's question to each of us. How often do we recall our own baptism? How often do we return to the water of our baptism. Our baptismal waters are as real, deep, wet, and powerful as they were on the day of our baptism. Your baptism, however, did not make you good. It did not make you acceptable of God. It did not cause God to love you. It revealed that God And he knows you. It reveals that your life matters and, the, and that you were baptized. Oh, my Lord. Somebody better say amen. amen. You were baptized into the name of Jesus Christ. And therefore, you were touched in the spirit of God had entered into you just like the apostles and all the people at Pentecost. The Spirit has been with you and us and me all of our days. And I'm going to tell you a story that illustrates how the Spirit touches us all and how I was touched directly. I was taking a Bible class in Evansville at Grace Lutheran Church it was a two-year course, and at the conclusion, we would be able to teach the Bible. There were about 15 people from four different congregations, and I believe they called it at the time the St. Stephen's Bible Study. And I took it and learned how to teach the Bible. We graduated, and we celebrated over at one of the, the members of a different church. He was a coal engineer who worked for a coal company and had a drill rig. He also drilled for oil on the side. Consequently, at the same time, I was for the city of Evansville as a compliance officer. And I was asked by the mayor to fire a black woman who was direct, the director of the housing authority. The deal was simple. I was one of the few people who knew and understood 
because I was the compliance officer, what she had done. And the deal was that I would be appointed to the board, I would fire her, and then six months later, <laughs> I would uh, take her place. I would get a cushy $40,000, $50,000 a year job with a car and benefits. Every black person <laughs> in the city of Evansville who was something or was trying to be something was at my door. And they all implored me not to fire her. This was an attack on black women. This is 1980. This is an attack on black women. The newspaper in my city and the re reporter I was very proud of until that day went to the woman's hometown and did a story on her from the time she was born. And I mean, they tore this woman. They found every rock and make a long story short, I didn't fire her. The mayor was sitting And somebody sitting right here. <laughs> Since y'all told me I can't do make my move, so you gotta stay where you are because of the camera. I'm sorry, people on camera. Forgive me, I know not what I do. But the mayor was sitting right right where the camera was, looking at me, and I did not fire the woman. I gave her 90-day probation. Everyone in the room exploded. Yay! I was fired the next day. All the people who had come and talked to me and pleaded, I don't know where they went. But the Spirit of God was moving in a way I didn't see. The next week, the engineer guy that we went to, to celebrate called me and said, can you meet me at the executive end? And, and I've got a business part I want you to meet with. They were in the coal business. And they said, boy, I tell you what, that was pretty ballsy of you to stand up to the mayor and not do his bidding and then lose your job. That took integrity. We're looking for somebody who has your smarts and your integrity. And we know is a Christian. And I said, well, yeah, yeah, okay, let's work with it. Within a year, we started a company called Atsco. It's called, it was stood for Atlas Trading and Supply Company. I was selling coal to major corporations who used coal to create steam to produce electricity to run their manufacturing plants in Indiana, Kentucky, Illinois, and Ohio. There was one manufacturing plant that was the largest in Indiana, and I was trying my best to be their supplier. I called the purchasing, direct, the purchasing manager every Monday 
for two years before I got my first meeting. He proceeded, he, I went to Indianapolis. He invited me to his office. He proceeded to shut the door. I made my pitch and, and I was told point blank, uh, excuse my French, but he said that there is no way a nigger would ever get the coal contract because there's three things that you would do. And I said, oh, he said, yeah. First thing is you will take the money from the first invoice and not pay the coal company. Second thing you'll do is you'll buy a Cadillac. The third thing you'll do is you'll get a white woman. Now keep in mind, this is 1982. So some of y'all might not even been born, but that came directly out of his mouth to me. And I explained to him <laughs> that I was married and had three kids. <laughs> that didn't seem to bother him at all. I later found out that a minority company in Indianapolis had done that exact thing. Spent the money, bought a Cadillac, got a white woman. And I said, oh, okay. But what he didn't know was that next week was a meeting where majority companies from all over the country were meeting with minority companies from all over the country the next week in Nashville, Tennessee, which is 120 miles from my home. They were meeting. His boss, this guy who just told me this, his boss was going to that meeting. It was at, held at the Grand Old Opry and the Gaylord Hotel. I was staying across the street in the Motel 6. <laughs> I had three suits that I bought from the Opportunity Shop for $5. I pressed them babies up. I put my best shirt on, my best tie on, and went across the street. I'm giving you the scaled down version of what happened, but Eli Lilly, the company, had the entire penthouse on the top floor of Gaylord Perry. Now you can imagine how much that was. And this is 1982. And they put a big head food and, and a band and the whole nine yards and I'm up there partying and, and carrying on. Before the night was over, the, the gentleman's boss and I were laughing and kicking and, and joking and carrying on. We was playing poker. He asked me a, que a simple question. He said, Phil, and I said, yeah, Jim. He said, well, your beard be in on time Monday morning? I said, what? What, what be it on Monday? He thought I was kidding. I didn't know that he had seen me come out of the purchasing guy's office that day, but he had. His office was around the corner, but he saw me as I came out after hearing about those three things I was going to do. And I, I told him I did, uh, 
the purchasing guy hadn't told me. And he said, hmm, can you now, we've been drinking a little bit, so, you know, smoking cigars. And he said, can you have it to me in about two weeks? And I said, yeah, he said, okay, well, let me take care of that part. He said, get it to me in two weeks. Ladies and gentlemen, <clears throat> nine months later, I was the largest minority supplier to Eli Lilly and Company, which also made me the third largest minority-owned company in the state of Indiana and the 60th largest minority-owned company in the country. Holy Spirit does what he does. All we got to do is get out of his way and allow ourselves to be his instrument. I went from fired, helping a black woman, who eventually did get fired, to owning the 60th largest company in America because I answered the call when the spirit rang. Into what then are you baptized? The baptism of Jesus Christ declares that the circumstances of our lives are held in the front of God's life, God's love, God's presence. All of our relationships and every one of our life circumstances invites us to return to the waters of our baptism and then to walk back into the world dripping wet. We can't always see we can't always hear, and we can't always fear the Spirit of God. But through our connection through baptism, he is always there. Sometimes through an old hymn or an old gospel song, I can hear there is a sweet, Sweet spirit in this place, and I know it's the spirit of Lord. Amen. Amen. Pray with me. Almighty God, thank you. Thank you for opening our eyes, our hearts, and our mouths. Thank you for allowing us to remember our baptism into your son and into you. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your love. And thank you for the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.